what we'd like to do tonight for just a few moments, we're going to go through the list of adult and teenage class teachers, and we're going to ask each of these teachers to come up for just a few minutes and give us a brief resume of what their class is going to be about. And first on our list tonight, we would like to ask Brother Charles Dayton to come up and tell us what his class will be about for the week, please. Anything to go around somebody's neck? Anything to go around anyone's neck? No. <clears throat> Good evening, everyone. I'm indeed uh, very pleased to be back in Arkansas again. This will be my eighth time, and it's several years since I have been here. Uh, the class allotted me, uh, or the subject of the class, uh, uh, <clears throat> taking se uh, from several, has been the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, that is one of the portions of the New Testament which practically everyone here knows. And uh, with the uh, time at our disposal in the next six days, seven days, we uh, hope to take in as much as we can in that book. It was written as, <coughs> as it is in our authorized version in any case to the Hebrews, the Hebrew brethren of the first century. I uh, generally understood that to it was uh, written to, and there seems to be no reason to challenge the matter. Uh, who wrote it, we will leave. And it, uh, the basis of the, uh, the uh, general argument and the intent of the book was to instruct the Hebrew believers of the first century that they had to leave Judaism behind them and go forward uh, uh, with Christ. And of course, in the, uh, in the argument that the apostle, whoever it was who wrote it, he <coughs> exalts without naming to a certain point Jesus as to be higher than angels, higher than Moses, of whom, of course, the children of Israel, uh, the Judaizing element in the church was, uh, uh, were drawing their attention to. Uh, and the Mosaic uh, system was dependent on the Mosaic law. It was dependent on a priesthood uh, to, um, uh, to administer it. So if they had to leave the old covenant, the old system, for the perfect or complete one, there must of necessity be a change of law and a change of priesthood and a change of sacrifice and other things besides. And this is what the Apostle, in a very detailed analysis of things, uh, demonstrates uh, in that uh, letter to first century believers. And while it is written primarily and basically in the first instance to Hebrew believers, presumably in Jerusalem and Judea, there is much in it that we can learn most from a first principle line, exhortation, and the ways of God in the past and the development of his purpose from the Mosaic economy to the new covenant in Christ. Thank you, Brother Dayton. We will now ask Brother Charles DeLiberto to come up and tell us about his class, please.
Good evening, brethren and sisters. How would you like to spend an evening with Jesus? That's going to be the topic that we'll, we will take up in our class for the next six days. The evening that we will spend with Jesus will be the evening before he was crucified. And there are many lessons that we can learn from the very important things that Jesus taught his disciples, both by the things that he said and by his example. And I hope you'll find it interesting and profitable as well. Thank you, Brother De Liberto. We will now hear from, well, I'm not sure if we will or not. I don't know if he's here. Is Brother Ken Erickson here yet? I don't think he's arrived yet. Uh, but anyway, Brother Erickson will be teaching an adult class on the Psalms. Maybe he'll be here later tonight and we can ask him to come up. The next brother we'll hear from will be Brother Carol Licklider, who will be teaching an adult class. The uh, class that I will be teaching will be titled Lessons from the Book of Acts. I expect during the six days to get through portions of about the first <coughs> 12 chapters of the book of Acts, selecting certain incidents and certain scenes from these chapters. So each day's lesson will be a complete lesson in itself. So it, it will take us up to the beginning of Paul's missionary journey. Thank you, Carol. We'll now ask Brother Lewis Sage to come up and tell us about his class, please. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Our class will be on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gifts. It seems that in every generation there seems to be a revival of the claim to the possession of the Spirit gifts, both miraculous and otherwise. And there are today religious bodies that affirm that these gifts are manifested in their assemblies. And the claim is made that they are growing numerically more rapidly than other groups. Groups that do not make such claims. And some of this teaching is finding its way into the brotherhood, justifying a reappraisal of the scriptural evidence. And this is attempted in this class. Such terms as Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit gift, Holy Spirit gift, Holy Ghost, Spirit of Christ, walking in the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, by the Spirit, can sometimes become confusing. If we can, through this week, identify these terms and separate the gifts that the early Ecclesia had through an outpouring of the Spirit from the Spirit of God in us today and how we have Christ in us, we will be very happy. Most important, we will find out how the Spirit of God dwells in us. And tomorrow we will give an outline of the class schedule for the whole week 
and fill in more detail. Thank you, Brother Sage. We will now ask Brother Norman Sweeney to come up and tell us about his class, please. The class title is Living the Truth. The idea for this class came from a review of a pamphlet in the Christadelphian for April of this year. The review article was written by Brother Alan Hayward, whom you might know as author of the recent book entitled God's Truth. And by the way, he's a research physicist in a British government laboratory. Here are some quotations from his review. Here is a booklet that deserves to be carried in every brother's pocket and every sister's handbag. A glance at half a page of this book only takes 30 seconds, but it can often do more good than listening to an exhortation for 30 minutes. If I were being interviewed on a Christadelphian version of the program Desert Island Disc, which apparently is a program in Great Britain, and were told I could take with me a Bible, a Bible companion, and one 16-page booklet, I should unhesitatingly choose this one. You only need to read three or four of the propositions at a sitting and turn up the references quoted to find the material for a whole evening's meditation. Do it in company, and you have the makings of a first-rate Bible discussion class. It is very good, yet of the brotherhood, only one in a, in a hundred is familiar with it. My approach to this study for the week will be to give four exhortative lectures on practical principles for my life in Christ, which is the subtitle of this pamphlet, followed by a discussion where time permits. I plan also to have two laboratory sessions where the class will break up into small units, each consisting of experienced and inexperienced Bible students, where the exercise will be to compose new propositions and to give scriptural references to support them. We'll spend one period preparing these together and working on them, and another period in giving each group or unit giving or presenting one of their propositions to the class for discussion for modification, acceptance, or rejection of the proposition and scriptural references for it. Every member of the class will receive a copy of this booklet, Living the Truth, for which, uh, with which they can uh, make marks in it, do what they want, and can take it home. Thank you, Brother Norm. Uh, we've had a rather urgent request. The, uh, the cook is blocked in, the chief cook, and she needs to get out to get some more help. And there's a gold... Uh, LeSabre. A gold LeSabre with Canada license plates. That may not be too hard to figure out. And a maroon Pontiac from Missouri. 
and who, if whoever owns those cars would please move them, we uh, probably will get fed tomorrow. Okay, next we will hear from our brother Benjamin Tuthill as to what his class will be about. Brothers and sisters and respected friends, the class that we uh, anticipate uh, joining in with you in is, uh, uh, could be entitled The Apostle Paul, his um, journeys, his uh, missionary efforts, uh, his uh, life, uh, his letters or epistles, and most importantly, we want to consider that problem which I believe was Paul's greatest uh, test, the problem of the Judaizing brethren. In order to understand a, a person and their actions and their teachings and their viewpoints, it is advisable, of course, to start at the beginning, to get the heredity, for instance, because we, we know that uh, uh, much that we do in our actions uh, are the result of our inheritance. So we're going to look at Paul's background. We're going to look at his uh, racial backgrounds, his uh, dual citizenship, if we might term it that, both being a, a, a Jew and also a Roman citizen. Uh, we, uh, we want to go uh, along with him on his missionary journeys uh, we have so much cut out for us here that I, I think you'll realize that we're not going to be able to delve into any one facet of Paul's life in detail. Uh, but um, uh, we do want to take his uh, journeys, and of course we'll use our maps in this respect, and hit a few of the highlights of, uh, uh, of things that happened on his missionary journeys. And then we want to consider, as I said, the letters which he wrote to... Uh, for the most part, ecclesias which he had already uh, established, and also, uh, well, for instance, the ecclesia at Rome, which he had not uh, ever visited at the time he wrote the epistle, uh, the uh, epistle to the Hebrews, which is a general epistle, then we have the, uh, what might be termed maybe the personal epistles that he wrote to Timothy and uh, Titus and Philemon, uh, and uh, then uh, his, his uh, trip to uh, Rome, uh, which is just full of, of uh, pathos and adventure. And, uh, uh, but most importantly, we do want to consider the, this problem of the Judaizing brethren. Uh, you know, uh, I've been in the truth a long time, about 50 years, I guess, and uh, uh, this, this problem never did sink through to my brain like it should have, I guess. And just recently, I've kind of wakened up to this thing, and I feel that uh, with a fairly uh, understanding of this problem now, I can understand a whole lot more of, of the epistles that he wrote. For instance, when he wrote to the Galatians and said, oh, oh, foolish Galatians. Now, that's a very hard thing to say to somebody. Who hath bewitched you? Well, how, how have they been bewitched? And so forth. These are the things that we want to consider uh, uh, most importantly. And uh, we'll find that, uh, that had it not been for Paul, I wouldn't say it's possible because, of course, God would have changed it, but the direction that Christianity was moving before Paul stepped in and took apart 
many uh, commentators and students have said that uh, it would have resulted, Christianity would have been a, a sect of Judaism. Now by that, uh, they mean that uh, this movement, this Judaizing movement, uh, the Jews who had accepted Christianity, the native uh, Palestinian Jews, Pharisees for the most part, uh, put the restrictions on the Gentiles who are coming into Christianity that they must be circumcised and keep the law of Moses before they were baptized. So in a sense, they're saying you have to be a Jew before you can be a Christian. Of course, Paul took violent exceptions to this and corrected the, the whole problem. And uh, this is the main thing we're going to try to discuss, which uh, to me at least was quite an enigma for a long time. Thank you, Brother Tuthill. We will now ask Brother James Washick to come up and tell us about his class, please. Brothers and sisters, I'm happy to be back here once more and, and having been asked uh, to teach a class. I'm sure most of you know somewhat of what I'm going to talk about. Uh, but the message was that Christ, I think, had been so much about Paul and about the teachings of Paul, and uh, that's all well and good. But what was the message that they were sent out to do, the apostles and the disciples? Go out and teach things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. From uh, the uh, reviews tonight, we're going to get a lot about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to try to bring to you uh, some understanding of the kingdom of God and tie some things together from the beginning to the end. We're living in a centennial year here of this country, which is only 200 years old. The kingdom of God started several thousand years ago, if we want to put it that way, make it sound big anyway. Uh, and it is going very close in the process of being reestablished in the presence of David, when the law is to go forth from Jerusalem, the word of the Lord in Zion. And I'm wondering if many of us is going to miss seeing the whole thing happen. Will we be as the apostles was when in the 16th, chapter, 16th verse of the 12th chapter of John, and they stood there in amazement when they saw what had happened and they suddenly realized, it suddenly came upon them, as Brother Tuthill uh, said a while ago. It suddenly came to the mind, they were reminded that they had lived these prophecies, they had lived the things that Isaiah had written 650 years before. They had done the things for Jesus that Isaiah said they would do. They weren't aware of it until it was all over. And they looked back, their hindsight was pretty good. I suppose those people that saw uh, Noah's boat set sail had a right good hindsight too. They remembered all the things that he had told them for years before. Now Christ says, To he that hath an ear, let him hear. And I would imagine that most everyone in the audience at every time had a couple of ears. So what did he really mean? He wasn't talking about the ears on the side of their head. He's talking about 
hearing with understanding. And we have a couple of excellent memory verses that's been hanging here now for several years. I don't want to brag at the time, but I have been, I think this is my 40th Bible school. I'm, I'm not one of the oldest here, but I'm among the older ones. Those are two great memory verses. With all thy wisdom, get understanding. Apparently, the apostles didn't understand. They didn't understand what they were being told. Before his crucifixion, they said to Christ, Will thou at this time establish thy kingdom upon the earth? This meant they did understand one thing, but they didn't understand something else. They understood that there would be a kingdom set up. But they had no idea of when it would be set up. The Jew, God's people, Israel, Israel today is in the same darkness that they were then. And when they kept asking Christ for proof of who he was, proof to us, perform some miracle, do something to make us know that you are the Messiah, what did he tell them? He said, if you had have known God, then would you know me? In other words, he's telling him, you didn't know God, you don't know God. If you did, you'd know me. You'd know who I am. And I would like to pick up class time, and the classes will be short. The week will be very, very short. Brother Ben has emphasized that, but he will be able to uh, call your attention to the shortness of it along about Thursday morning. It's only a few short classes. I'd like the classes to be uh, you to participate in them. We will discuss the things that seems most important, but I would like to cover the kingdom of God from the beginning to what we know, as far as we know, the end. And it covers a lot of territory and a lot takes a lot of understanding. There are many things. Oh, you can quote the verses. You know what it says where in the Bible. The apostles did too. The Jews knew. All the Jews knew all of the writings of Isaiah. They had read them. They knew exactly what was said. The prophets, the prophets had written all of these things. They knew it was said of him that he would be buried. And he said of himself that he would be buried, be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, and be resurrected. How do I know they knew it? because they made plans to keep him there and make sure that he didn't come out and say that the prophet was what was right. There's no question. They knew it. But did they know it? I'll ask you one question to think about. If they knew it as they should have known, if they knew their God as they should have known, the almighty God of Israel, the God of heaven, the creator and sustainer of all things. Would they, honestly, do you think they would have tried to prevent these things from coming to pass? And we're all in that same condition tonight. Oh, we know what the Bible says. And we say we believe it, we think we believe it. Are we any different than the man that God created at the time of Noah, or at the time of Moses, or at the time of Christ? 
Aren't we that same creation? That offspring of Adam? And is there any reason for us to believe that we're going to be different? But God help us if we don't have hope that we can be different. I thank you. Thank you, James. We'll now ask Brother Leonard Williams to come forward and tell us about his class, please. I don't really know whether I'll title my classes this year uh, The Prophecy of Daniel or whether they should maybe be called the same old thing. Uh, I've been doing this off and on for about 12 years, and I think that one of the things that I find so fascinating about the book of Daniel is not only does it give us in uh, telescoped form more or less the, the prophecy of the entire world from beginning to end, if you want to call it that, uh, it also gives us information and exhortation and insights and ideas on virtually every aspect of salvation. Uh, there are any number of good lessons there, and every time I go through it, I learn a, uh, new ones. Uh, I find new lessons to be learned and new subjects to be thought about and dealt with. Now, it continues to be a fascinating subject, and uh, so we will explore through the week not only those prophecies that uh, I think are, are the, the probably the core that fascinate most of us, but also some of the other ideas and the other exhortations and the other uh, implications and suggestions just about good Christian living and about salvation that are there for us too. Thank you, Leonard. I'll just briefly go through again the, the name of the adult teachers. Brother, jo Brother Charles Dayton, Brother Charles DeLiberto, Brother Ken Erickson, Brother Carol Licklider, Brother Louis Sage, Brother Norman Sweeney, Brother Benjamin Tudhill, Brother James Washick, and Brother Leonard Williams. We also have some teenage classes arranged for the 13 through 15 year group and also the 16 through the 18 year group. And I'm going to ask each of the brothers that are teaching these classes to come forward and tell us a little bit about what they're teaching. Uh, we'll first ask Brother Gerald Fitzgerald. I kind of had a fear I was going to have to be up here. Uh, the lessons I have are designed to teach the basic fundamental principles of truth concerning the decisions that one has to make in their lifetime, and they are the most important decisions that a person has to make. The lessons deal with marriage, morality, dedication, and the subjects that we are the circumstances that we come into contact each day of our life. And they give a general direction based upon scriptural truth of the way that a person should conduct their lives and the decisions that they should make. And it also explores the consequences of a person not making the right decisions in their life or the decisions to serve God. Thank you, Gerald. We'll now ask Brother Ernie Glass to come forward, please. I have the same class that 
Brother Darrell has, except it will be for a younger group. My class will be on Christadelphian morals, and what we're going to be talking about is just simply this, overcoming evil with good. The kids and I, we're going to try to get into this thing and see just what a wonderful thing it is to do, to try to overcome evil with good. And as Brother Gerald said, we'll be contrasting what the world offers to what is offered by God, and we'll also be stressing our responsibility to God and the consequences of neglect, neglecting what God wants us to do. But basically, the whole class will be built around overcoming evil with our with good. That is one of the secrets of the of the life of a Christadelphian: overcoming evil with good. Thank you, Ernie. We'll now ask Brother Wilson Sankey to come forward, please. Good evening, brethren, sisters, and friends. What we hope to be able to do with the young people that we will be teaching is to compare somewhat briefly the theory of evolution with the Bible record of God's special creation and whether uh, evolution is logical or whether we can trust in the record that we have concerning God's creation as recorded in the Bible as being the most logical. This will only uh, be dealt with briefly. Then we want to, to sort of maybe unveil the first few books of the Bible in their chronological order and stress the truths that are written therein especially concerning the fall of man and why we possess the nature that we do, the mortal nature that we have, <clears throat> the curse that was put upon this creation and upon mankind, the hope that God has extended to us. These are some of the discussions that we would like to, to bring out. We also want to stress the importance of the Bible as being the only source that we have that we can depend upon for a hope for the future. We also want to stress the promises that God has made to mankind, and I think that it would be fair to say that if we don't understand the promises that God has made to mankind, that there would be no, no possible way to gain salvation because we know that, that our only hope is in the promises that God has made to Abraham, <clears throat> to Isaac, and to Jacob, and, and Israel. <clears throat> we also want to bring in the promise that God has made that Christ will sit upon the throne of his father David and how we can be in the kingdom, the process that we have to go through of understanding God's word, believing it, obeying it, and living it. 
then we want to bring out how baptism is necessary whereas we are beginning to come in contact with the idea that we can only or that you may only accept Christ by confession of mouth and that actual baptism is not necessary and we know as students of the Bible that this is false but nevertheless we need to understand why the baptism of water is necessary the significance of it so we will devote quite a bit of time to this and then we've also been asked to bring in a little bit of prophetic uh, events that will take place in the very near, near future we know there's not much of prophecy left to be fulfilled so we can't really uh, deal too much with that but this basically is what uh, we've been asked to cover in in the period that we have thank you thank you Wilton we'll now ask brother Norwood Shelton to come forward please I'd like to take this opportunity to greet all of you that maybe I have not individually and bring uh, greetings from the Monroe Ecclesia, of which I think all of us are actually here for this uh, opening services tonight. It's my understanding that there's going to be one more teacher for this group. It will be a combined class. We're going to be split. All right. I came up here sort of with a flexible schedule because I don't know whether I'll get the younger or older group. No, they just said from 13 years on up. 13 to 15. 13 to 15. Okay. And I wasn't sure, you know, we heard tales about whether he was or he wasn't coming. I wasn't sure. I didn't want to teach a class, and if, no, if they didn't get a good dose of the fundamental principles, I was going to give that to my class. However, if they're going to get it in the third class where the two groups come together, then I won't do this. Uh, what I want to do is sort of give some relevancy to the truth to the young teenagers, answer some questions. Uh, Wilson has talked about how he's going to uh, bring out to them. Obviously, though, he's going to have a different group from me, so I think we're going to be teaching the same period. But I want to uh, let them know, uh, for instance, uh, from the scriptures, uh, why uh, they need something from God, uh, help from God, uh, what, what's in it for them, what's it going to cost them, and so forth this eternal life, this part in the kingdom of heaven. I also want to uh, explore the three types of love that, uh, that we know in the world today. Uh, the, the word love that's in the scriptures is translated from, uh, generally the ones in the scriptures translated from two different words. There's a third one in the original. I want to uh, sort of briefly point out the difference in these three because some of the younger people of today confuse, uh, they think that there's only one type of love, just free love and so forth, and we want to get our young people straight on this sort of thing. Also, I'm going to, if any of the kids have a question that they would like answered during the class time, we're going to be flexible enough that we can actually sort of suspend the schedule or the, the notes and go on from there and try to answer any questions. We don't want any youngsters to uh, come away with any questions that they would like to have answered that they have not. It, uh, 
going to be a class sort of like that. And then hopefully they will get this good firm push the third period of the day with the good fundamentals that we need to have a good strong basic foundation from which to grow if we're going to grow in the truth. Thank you, Butch. What Butch was referring to, we plan to divide the 13 to 18-year-old group up into two groups, those 13 through 15 and those 16 through 18. And we plan to have the, for two periods, we plan to have them divided up into those two groups, 13 to 15 and 16 to 18, to be taught by the four brothers that have just been up here. And then we plan to bring both of those groups together for one period for a class which is going to be primarily concerned with the promises that were made to Abraham. And originally we had selected Brother Ted Farah to teach this class, but as some of you probably know, Brother Farah was unable to come. He developed a pretty serious ear problem a couple of weeks ago and was unable to come. And Brother Wayne Tanner has agreed to teach this class. So we'll now ask Brother Wayne to come up and tell us a little bit about it, please. As I listened to Brother Shelton and Brother Sankey and Brother Washick, I thought that either of these would make a good uh, presentation of what I'm going to teach this week because it does concern the fundamentals. But my class will be wrapped around two basic verses. One, Jude 3, where he said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you, it was needful that I should write unto you and exhort that you should earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. The second verse is Hebrews 11 and 1, of which we're all very familiar. Faith is the not substance, but basis of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're all aware that from one end of this land to the other, there are lectures given and beliefs held which are presented as the faith of Abraham. But we want to look and see if the faith of the Christadelphians is not exactly the same as the faith which Abraham held and which all of the ancient worthies have held. We're going to look at what constitutes faith. We're going to tie in and see how hope figures in with this. Then we're going to look at the covenant that was made with Abraham and the passages of Scripture which say that all of these were fulfilled. And then we're going to look at the passage in Acts 7 which said he received none inheritance in it and see if we can't get complete harmony out of these seemingly contrasting passages of Scripture. We'll also look at the promises as they related to the seeds as of many as opposed to the seed as of one which was Christ. We're also going to look at the promise as it was made to David and how Solomon entered into this and how Christ entered into it and shall yet enter into it. Then because Jesus said to the Sadducees that it is written that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, we're going to show the reality of death and the need for resurrection. 
For doesn't Hebrews 11 and 13 say that all of those enumerated worthies died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off? So in this one verse is necessitated an understanding of what death is and the reason for those ancient worthies coming out of the grave. And then we're going finally to show that the kingdom age is where all of these come together, giving us the perfect age, the antitype of the Sabbath on which God rested when all mankind can rest from sin and death. Thank you, Wayne. I noticed that Brother Kenny McGowan is coming in the back, and Brother Ken is coordinating the children and younger children classes. Kenny, would you like to come forward and just give a brief summary of the classes? Well, we have a little bit to organize as yet, I can see. Uh, there is one thing I'd like to say to the parents, though, on this three, four, five, and six-year-olds. This is the most difficult age for the sisters to handle. And they would appreciate all you parents to leave the children at the classes. Do not come in between the classes unless it's absolutely necessary. Uh, it takes maybe a class or two to settle the child down. So the teachers have requested that uh, the parents stay away from the children, if all possible. Uh, I also uh, would like all the, after this meeting, all the teachers from uh, 7 to 12 to meet down here, and uh, we will organize <coughs> for our classes. I think that is all. Thank you, Brother Ken. Uh, we would also like to ask tonight after the services that the adult teachers come down and we need to meet and arrange classes to some extent then also. I'll now turn the program back to Brother Roger Brown.